Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to our slash entitled people, where people think they can do what they want, when they want, because they're special. And in today's episode, an entitled, high-powered Karen decides to sue OP to get what she wants, and it's the worst mistake ever. Guys, I hope you enjoy the stories. Hit subscribe if you haven't. And as always, you can send or link your post to this email right here. Let's dive in. I was visiting Truckee in California over the weekend. There was a great little fishing spot where I tend to find trophy-sized brown trout on the west end of Donner Lake. I carry a two-rod fishing license so I can cast bait on one rod and cast lures on the other. It's also important to know that the bridge has multiple signs on it that specifically says no jumping or diving from the bridge. So anyways, I'm at this spot under a bridge casting out. It's been a slow day, and I haven't caught anything yet, which is no big deal. It's nice to be out with everything going on in the world. So along comes this little kid. I don't see him, mind you, and he starts jumping off the bridge. As you can imagine, I'm not happy. Any chance I had of catching fish just went completely away for a few hours. Fish are frightened very easily, so something like jumping off a bridge scares them and they hide. So I not so politely tell this kid that he needs to stop, he needs to leave, that he's not welcome here. I'm on the shoreline, not the bridge itself, and that's when a lady from above starts yelling at me that her kid can do what he wants and try to stop him. I again, not politely, point out the no jumping from the bridge sign. Her kid jumps off again, and she tells me that I need to stop fishing there. She then claims that they were there first, so I was violating their privacy. And that's when I decide to take a short video of the kid jumping off. I tell her absolutely not, and continue to cast out. Well, as luck would have it, her kid jumps right into my lure. Not immediately, it was like his 10th jump while his mom and I were going back and forth. I'm using a size 6 hook, which is about an inch long, and it jams right into the kid's leg. Naturally, he panics and fails to safely swim back in. The kid's flopping around in pain, and that starts driving the hook deeper into his leg, breaking my line. When the kid makes it out of the water, sure enough, my lure is sticking out of his leg. There is blood, but being stabbed by a lure isn't actually too damaging. Well, except for the barb on the hook, which prevents it from coming out. It's at that point, his mom comes rushing down screaming that I attacked her baby, and then she calls the police while trying to remove the lure. She also let me know that she'll make sure I pay for any long-term damage because she's suing the hell out of me. I just watch because it's clear to me that she has no idea what she's doing, and her attempts to remove the hook are making it even worse. I warned her and even offered to help, and this was her problem, not mine. So the police get there after about 15 minutes, and I already knew what was going to happen. The lady, of course, lies, and she explains that I was intentionally casting at her kid, and that they were there swimming first and having a good time. The police come to see my story, and I show them my fishing licenses, my setups, and my video of her kid jumping off the bridge. I don't say anything else, I just let them piece it together. And here's the thing, we're in California, where messing with lawful hunting, trapping, or fishing is considered a crime. 
They see my lure in his leg, they see I'm here legally, and they see the kid breaking literally the only rule I could prove they broke. They then go back to his mom, who confesses that she may have let him jump off a few times. And they explain to her that she's committed a crime and I may press charges if I want. The woman looks at me in disbelief and she starts screaming how I basically almost killed her son. So again, I explain, less than politely, that I will not push charges if I can get my lure back. A task that I know is borderline impossible. So the mom tries once again to rip and tear at the lure, refusing my help, and she proceeds to torture her kid, who's by the way screaming like his legs getting sawed off. I didn't get my lure back, and true to my word, I decided to press charges. The police took the lady away in handcuffs, and she was screaming that she was going to sue me for everything I've got. They also sent for paramedics to get the lure out. I wish I could end on a happy note and say I caught a fish, but I didn't. I did fetch about two pounds of crawfish, though. Also, it's pretty common that random kids do mess with fishermen while we fish. They throw rocks, jump in by our lures, and generally sabotage us. Most kids don't know better, and they do leave after we tell them to, but some are just real entitled pains in the ass. Guys, it's always ridiculous when parents call cops when they're clearly in the wrong. Like, I'm pretty sure she knows that her son should not be jumping off that bridge, as she was told multiple times, and there's signs around. But what does she do? She let him get to the point where he got hurt, and then tried to get OP in trouble. And guys, a lot of people are saying that OP is the bad guy in this situation, for essentially forcing the mom to rip the hook from her son's leg on the threat of pressing charges saying that he definitely went overboard. This person says, honestly, I see no issue here. You telling a kid to stop doing something that he's not supposed to do, but his mom gets mad he ends up injuring himself. Honestly, screw them. You warned them and they didn't listen. The kid got the hook in him, you offered to help, and she did not want it. Honestly, it's not your fault. It's their fault. Good on you. I would have done the same thing. Teach the kids the hard lesson if they don't want to bother to listen. So yeah, agree or disagree guys, leave your comments down below. I was working 40 hours a week programming at my main job, but I did occasional small projects in the evenings and weekends for other clients. At one point, I was referred to a large company that runs major stadiums and event venues around the country. One of their stadiums is relatively close to where I live. I'll just call them Mark 1 for the story. So the manager at Mark 1 said they wanted a simple administration database and user interface for employee timekeeping. Apparently, the old system they had was not working for them. I got details of what they wanted and drafted a set of specifications. I told them I could write the system to the specs for $2,000 flat rate, and they agreed. With that, I immediately went to work and churned out a database and UI for the system with full documentation in about two weeks. So I scheduled an in-person meeting to show them. Now, when I showed up at the meeting, someone representing the security department was there, and he asked about getting some additional features, and I told him, sure, I can do that. So I went back, wrote up a change request, and incorporated the additional features into the platform. I then scheduled another meeting with Mark 1 a couple of days later. When I got to that meeting, I noticed the audience had grown. There were two extra people from the finance department. They were saying, can you add feature X, feature Y, and feature Z? I say to them, sure, no problem. So I left and added the features. A few days later, I met with them again. And imagine my surprise when the audience size had grown and the new attendees asked for more features. This went on for about five more rounds and I was getting frustrated that I had spec'd out a two-week project that was now taking months and I would not be paid until I delivered and they accepted the final product. 
but I chugged along, implementing all their change requests. But one day, the Mark 1 manager called me. Apparently, she had been speaking with the other departments that weren't represented in her status meetings of ever-increasing mass. So she gave me a list of dozens of new features they wanted, some of which would require a complete redesign of the core database and an overhaul of the UI. At this point, I had enough. I told her, hey, this is a complete overhaul of the original spec. I'll have to redesign and rebuild this from the ground up. She responded, well, that's not my problem. I say to her, well, actually, it is. I'm not going to design and build an entirely new system until you pay me for the current one, built to the specs we agreed on. After a short pause, she dropped a bomb on me and said, well, we are not going to renegotiate. You can consider this project cancelled. I say to her, that's not how this works. You still have to pay me for the work I've done. She then says, no I don't. You haven't delivered anything, so sue me. And with that, she hung up. Now, I took Mark 1 manager's advice and I went to the courthouse the next day to file in a small claims court to recover the $2,000. On my court date a couple of months later, I went down to the courthouse and was greeted by an arbitrator. In my state, they have court-appointed arbitrators to meet the litigants when they arrive, to see if the parties can sort out the case with an agreement, to maximize the judge's time. The arbitrator asked me, is there anything you would agree to to resolve this immediately? I thought about it and said, if they pay me 90%, which is $1,800, right now, I'll drop the suit. He then went into a side room where the Mark 1 manager and the corporate lawyer were hanging out. That's when I heard her screaming that they would either pay it all or pay zero. The arbitrator comes to me with the news and I told him, hey, I heard and I'm happy to take it all. The guy laughed and said, no, they want to go to trial. So fast forward a couple of hours and we're standing in front of the judge. I'm at my table alone and the Mark 1 manager and lawyer are standing at the opposite table. The judge then asked Mark 1 manager to tell her side first. She went into a very long speech about the project, corporate America, apple pie, thermonuclear weapons. Honestly, I have no idea because I stopped listening about 28 minutes ago. The woman talked nonstop for at least 30 minutes. And then the judge asked for my story. Now, I wasn't ignoring the manager's long-winded tale. I was actually formulating a strategy. I thought to myself, the judge probably had people who liked to speechify in front of him all day, every day. I also thought that he might appreciate a short and sweet story that got straight to the point and did not waste his time. So I say to him, Your Honor, they agreed to pay me $2,000 to design and build a software system for them. I completed the work based on the agreed specs, and then they decided to cancel the project after I was done. That was it. The judge then asked me, how do I know you did the work? And here's where I get them. I had printed out the specs, change requests, documentation, and the source code the night before. I lifted a ream of paper, about 500 pages from my table, and then offered it to the bailiff. I then say, here's the code I wrote for them, your honor. The bailiff came to take it from me, and the judge waved him off and said, no need, I can see it from here. The judge then asked Mark 1's manager, is this true? And she looked like she was in a daze. She said, uh, yes. The judge then says, then I fined for the plaintiff in the amount of $2,000. And you'd think that was it. But about a month later, Mark 1 still hadn't paid. So I called the county sheriff and explained. I sent him the court judgment documents and he said, no problem, they'll pay. The sheriff actually called me later that day. He was on a cell phone and I could hear him talking to the Mark 1 manager. 
he told her to cut a check for $2,000 right now, or he was going to rip the computers out of the wall and auction them off until the judgment is satisfied. Now, I don't know if he had that authority, but the sheriff seemed to have a grudge against Mark I, and he was reveling in the opportunity to dog them out. Apparently, Mark I believed he had the authority because, long story short, the sheriff had a $2,000 check in his hand 15 minutes later, and it was in my mailbox about a week later. Guys, honestly, I've read enough stories that I can say it's never wise to say sue me to anyone you're screwing over because you never know when someone will go for it. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this company has tried that stuff before. It sounds to me like they're used to getting their way, just like the Karen lawyer in this next post, guys. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This story is from a few years ago when I worked in the legal department of a thousand plus store national retailer. As part of my job, I handled the customer complaints that elevated when the customer threatened legal action. One day, the customer service call center forwards a woman's call to me after she threatened legal action. The woman left a message claiming that she was not provided $10 in customer reward coupons. It was like a spend $200, receive a $10 coupon in the mail sort of thing. This was based on her purchase of clothing for her son and daughter for back to school. So I looked into it and I called the Karen back. It turned out that we had an old address associated with her rewards account, which is no big deal, right? So I spoke with her and offered to send her the original $10 coupon, plus an additional $25 for her trouble to the correct address. That did not satisfy the woman. She claimed that we should have known her address, and that's when she threatened to sue us if we didn't pay her $1,000 in cash. Her rationale is that it would cost us at least $1,000 to defend the suit, so we should just pay it to her. I declined, but I still gave her the $10 coupon she was entitled to. And sure enough, the woman sues us for breach of contract, fraud, and any other conceivable charge. I went to my boss, the COO, and told him the story. He asked what I wanted to do. I said to him that I would rather pay legal fees to a defense attorney than to pay Karen. And he agreed. So with that, I contacted this attorney. I explained the situation, and I kid you not, he said to me, I get to sue that woman? I should be paying you guys. There's a lot of lawyers in this legal community who would love to sue her, as she's reckless, unpleasant, and a total pain in the ass to deal with. 
I'll gladly take your case. And with that, he agreed to defend us at a reduced rate. The defense strategy was to countersue her under the state's frivolous lawsuit statute, which would move the suit from small claims court to a larger civil court. Our attorney filed our answer and a counterclaim. And although Karen was an attorney, she was not a defense attorney. So she had to engage her own attorney to defend against the counterclaim. After a couple of hearings, she offered to settle for no more money exchanged and the dismissal of both suits. She didn't even get the extra $25 coupon I offered her. I talked with the attorney about continuing our claim, but he advised that it would probably be worth settling and being done with rather than being vindictive. Although vindictive would have been fun, courts tend to not like that, so I agreed. My company ended up paying the attorney $900. He also later called and told us that the attorney Karen engaged charged her $1,700 to defend the suit. Although I would have liked to continue with our suits, I think her having to pay $1,700 over a $10 coupon sent to the wrong address is sufficient justice. Ain't that the truth, guys. And seriously, with Karen being a lawyer, I'm actually surprised she didn't consult any of her lawyer friends or anything to get their opinion before going through with this. And one more thing, like how the heck was anyone supposed to magically know that her address wasn't correct? This happened a couple of days before Christmas. My sister has three kids, ages 4, 6, and 8, and we were all staying at my parents' house for the holidays. I have a 1TB iPad Pro that I use for my job. I do digital commissions, design band posters, design flyers to make money on the side, as I'm in college. I saved up for a year to buy this iPad. It was an investment in my hobby. I had left my iPad in my dad's office, where I was working on some projects the night before. I got up in the morning to find the thing shattered in the living room. My sister nonchalantly apologized and said, Oh, sorry, the kids broke your screen. Dad said he has a new one and he'll give it to you to replace. She didn't even bother to wake me up when they saw that they broke it. I asked her why she wasn't watching her kids and how did they get the iPad from my father's office. That's when she said that she gave it to them so they could watch YouTube. And at that, I obviously start yelling at her and asked her how she could be so obtuse as to let her kids play with my stuff without asking. And she called me selfish. She said that they're my niece and nephews and I should want to share with them. And I'm thinking, what the F? My dad tried to give me an iPad Air and tell me it was the same thing. I told him it was unacceptable and I wanted my iPad replaced immediately. He said he didn't have the money, so I went to my sister and demanded the money. She tried to ask if she could make payments as the cost would wipe out her savings and I said no way. I told her I wanted the full cost of the iPad, the pencil, and the $250 that I'm going to miss out on because I can't finish the project I'm working on. It would be around $2,200. She tried calling me heartless and told me to think of my niece and nephew. I told her to go F herself, that if she was a better mother, she would have more than $2,000 saved up when she has three kids. My parents think I'm overreacting, but I don't. She's trying to avoid me and not speak to me, and I told her that I would be suing her for the cost of my iPad and lost wages. She's acting like a total bitch though. She's crying on social media how heartless her brother is, trying to sue her and break her and her children over this honest mistake. I've gotten calls from family members calling me a bad brother and asking me to reconsider. I can't believe this is happening. Would I be the a-hole for suing my poor broke sister because she can't watch her effing kids?
Yeah, I don't think OP would be the a-hole for suing his sister. Like, it's an expensive piece of equipment, and someone's gotta pay for it. And guys, the thing that makes her even more entitled is she offered their dad's iPad to replace OP's broken one, something that wasn't even hers to begin with. I personally think the best course of action is to get the sister to make full payments like she offered to, because suing someone doesn't guarantee you'll get the money, especially when they have no money. And in this case, it'll just strain the relationship with his sister. Guys, let me know what you think though. I work as a cashier for a small grocery chain. We carry a lot, and I mean a lot of produce. So much so that we have multiple kinds of tomatoes, peaches, peppers, etc. Organic and regular. In some cases, different kinds of produce might have different prices. Like a California peach might be $1.50 more or less than a large white peach. Now, the somewhat annoying fact, from the perspective of the person who has to ring and weigh all the produce, is that while most of our items do have a produce code sticker on them, not all of them do. So sometimes, cashiers have to guess. Now, this incident took place in the middle of my shift on a busy Sunday afternoon. Our latest shipment of hothouse tomatoes were a bit small, so they were very easily confused with our tomatoes on the vine. Believe it or not, those are a category all on their own. So if there wasn't a sticker, I would have to examine them to see if I could figure out what kind they were. On this particular occasion, the hothouse tomatoes were on sale for approximately a dollar less than the vine. That's when an older guy, who we'll call Mr. Big Shot, brings his order through my line. And the guy's made the semi-annoying choice to not only bag his tomatoes, but he's done it in such a way to avoid hurting his tomatoes. The bag has been inflated and tied, kind of like a chip bag. This particular practice really only serves to make it harder to tell what items in the bag. And of course, after examination, he's picked only the loveliest of tomatoes, the kind that doesn't have a sticker. So I give them a look and make the guess that these are vine tomatoes. I ring him up, he pays, I move to the next customer. However, five minutes later, he comes back to me spitting fire and fury, receipt clutched in his hand, and demands to speak to my manager. He also won't tell me why. The guy just spits at me that I'd better call a manager or he'll have my job. So the manager comes over and Mr. Big Shot immediately launches into a full-scale tirade, saying that he's a lawyer, that he's gonna sue the store, the manager, and me for everything we own over false advertising, because we charged him the $2.69 per pound for vine tomatoes, instead of the $1.50 for the hothouse tomatoes. The manager pulls him aside, gives him a refund for the tomatoes, a whole $3.49, and the Big Shot sneers at me like he He's won some huge victory over my lowly self as he leaves. My manager then comes to me and tells me that I have to be extra careful in the future to make sure what kind of produce I'm bringing up, up to and including leaving my register to confirm the particular breed of tomatoes, regardless of how busy we are, no matter what. Now, normally, I'm a chill person. However, I had just been threatened over an innocent mistake and then reprimanded for it in the middle of a busy store full of customers. So Mr. Big Shot comes back a week later, and he comes through my line with his smug face. Once again, with his stickerless produce in bubble bags. I carefully ring up every item that he has that isn't produce, taking my time to ensure that a line forms. Then, I take a bag of one kind of produce, jostle it around in its bag so I can examine it, and decide that nope, I can't figure out what kind of apple this is. 
So I look up at Mr. Big Shots, and in my most sweet voice, I ask him to show me where he got these apples from because I can't figure it out. The guy grumbles, but because he's bent the little female cashier into submission, he shows me the basket with the price tag. This happens two more times, and by now, he's getting impatient with me, and he snaps at me to just ring up the produce. I explain to him that because he brought me the produce without a sticker, I had to make sure that I was ringing him up for the right item, to avoid what happened last time. That's when Mr. Big Shot demands a manager, so I quite happily go to the loudspeaker and ask for one to come over. And lo and behold, it's the same one from last time. He starts complaining loudly that I'm wasting his time, being rude, and making him walk all over the store to figure out the prices. The manager then turns to me, confused and irritated, and he demands to know what the heck I'm doing. I very calmly replied, well, you told me I had to make sure, even if it meant leaving my register. Well, he had these items, gesturing at the produce, that don't have stickers. And they look close enough to other kinds, and I don't know which basket they came from. So I asked him to show me. I'm only doing what you told me to do. The manager gave me a funny look, and assured Mr. Big Shot that everything would be taken care of later, and left. I finished ringing him up, he paid, and I moved on. Later that day, another member of office staff came over and told me what the manager had said. That if there's not a sticker, it's okay to just guess. Mr. Big Shot came through my line a few more times with repeats of the same thing, until he either learned his lesson or just realized that he needed to stop coming through my lane. Either way, I won. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash entitled people. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's stories. I hope you didn't shake your heads too hard. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, I'll link it right here, guys. A Karen calls the cops on OP because he's too darn ugly. Ain't that something? Guys, go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.